Welcome back to another episode of Spadori's. We are in season two, and we are so excited because this is our first episode of season two in which we have a guest. And we cannot wait for you to meet her. She is actually friends with my co-host, Hyann. And so, Hyann, I'm going to let you do the introduction. Okay. So, guys, we have on Molly. Molly, when I was talking to Bailey before you jumped on, I was like, oh, it's Molly IE. So, like, I just, it's still in my head because we had two different Mollies at our previous job. And that's how we dif differentiated them was Molly IE and Molly Y. <laughs> and so I still say that out loud. And I was like, why did I, why did I do that? Molly, she spells her name with an IE, <laughs> Bailey to clarify, but I know Molly, Molly, I used to supervise Molly at um, a previous job. And so something about Molly that I actually really enjoyed getting to know was you were really open about growing up with a learning disability and then also working in special education, which I think is really um, special. And so just having you on because we, you're our first guest that we obviously ha have had on that's going to kind of talk about growing up with a learning disability and kind of some advocacy things maybe that you want to talk about to us, because I know you are a huge advocate for the students that we served. And so really happy to have you on. So thanks for taking the time with us. Um, and so I'm just going to ask you our first question. So we, I, Molly listens to us as well. She, I remember whenever our first season dropped, she would like message me and be like, why are you guys ending the season one? Like, when are you coming back? So now she's back on season two, which is even better. But you know, we have a list of questions that we um, are gonna ask you and kind of just see where the conversation goes. Um, so first question is just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're currently doing. Uh, so I'm currently working in the public schools. What I'm doing is I go into the gen ed classrooms anywhere from a first grader, first grade room to a fifth grade room, helping with um, their accommodations and supports, make sure those are being met and teaching those kids really how to advocate for what they need in their setting. Nice. And what about you? That. Like, what do you do? You have, I know you have dogs, like you can't leave that out. Yes, I have a dog. Uh, you will probably hear him at some point. Um, I'm married. I uh, have taken up the hobby of playing croquet, so fancy. Uh, yeah, so we're I'm out at the park every once in a while with my in-laws playing with them, and that's I grew up I with a learning that. disability, so like I really don't let my students use that as an excuse. Oh, great, great, yeah, and I, I know we'll get to talk talking about that. Are you originally from Houston, or are you from? That's right. So you need to talk about that. Uh, I grew up in D.C. Mm. My life in D.C. I was like, I knew it was East Coast. I just didn't know, like, where. Uh, right outside D.C. in Virginia. I okay. love that. Are your parents still there? Uh, my mom is, at, but my dad's not, and my sister's up in the D.C. area. Awesome. Nice. Okay. And you've been here ever since? Uh, since 2013, I think. Did your husband bring you here? Yes. Okay. So yeah. my husband's born and raised here in Houston. He tried the D.C. area, too expensive. The market was terrible. So yeah. since he tried up there, I said I would try here, and I just haven't left. <laughs> I love that. All right, Molly, I will say, this is a special ed podcast. I'm going to ask my special ed question in just a second. But we're also dog people here. You'll probably hear my <laughs> dogs at some point. But what kind of dog do you have, and what is its name? Uh, so he's like a pit mix. We're not oh. really sure because we found him as a stray running in our neighborhood. And his Aww. name's Watt. Watt? Oh my gosh, like J.J. Watt. Yes, but he's not Molly, named after I J. love Watt. you. Uh, but he's not <laughs> named after him. 
Okay. I love naming my pets after people or things. Like I have Han and Chewbacca. Um, yeah, so he is named after someone. Uh, my husband worked on a cattle ranch for a semester in between colleges. Mm -hmm. And the guy that really got the ranch going, it was named Watt. So oh, that's he cool. named our dog after him. That's really Aww. sweet. That is sweet. I, I actually love that. And I think I will say, I guess it would depend on like the dog's temperament. Well, yeah, I love that. I love that. I was thinking like there could be a time where you'd name a dog after somebody that you really despise. Uh, but then there's other times that you would name a dog after someone you really like. So I guess it would just depend on the temperament. I don't know. But I've never met a mean dog so far. Yeah. So, okay. So that. Molly, <laughs> tell us, now I'm going to get back into this bed stuff. Um, tell us, why did you get into special education and education in general? Uh, so I got into it because I wasn't taught until, until later in life. So like high school, how to advocate for myself and to say, be the one that was in charge of my education. So I felt that kids, whether they have a learning difference or not, need to learn that from a younger age. And really that pushed me there. For a while, I actually thought I wanted to be a vet. And then I did that internship and found out what that really was. So then someone's like, you should try uh, education. So in high school, I did an internship in an elementary school and absolutely loved it. That's awesome. You know, it's interesting that you say, um, you know, that you didn't know how to advocate for yourself until you got older. Because one of the things that Hyann and I have talked about, and then just what I see happening in my district right now is we're having really serious conversations with even like elementary school teachers and staff about how like advocacy and like transition and like skills, foundational skills to transition our kiddos to adulthood start so early. Like it mm -hmm. really does start in elementary school. And I think that for so long, people just consider like transition and advocacy, something that happens like late middle school, early high school. But by that point, you're like, you, that's like what, eight, nine years of education that they've just gone without that. So I think that's really, really cool that that was something that you prioritized. Yeah. Right. I mean, I wish I had known it sooner because then I would have been able to speak up for like this. These are what accommodations I need in order to be successful whether it was in school or life. Yeah. Molly, can you talk a little bit about, if you're willing to share, like what kind of learning disability you had and like, I guess what age you found out that you had one or started to understand just a little bit about that growing up? So my parents knew, like my mom claims she knew I had ADHD before I was even born. Uh, so I started getting, I was got my educational testing uh, in first grade, I wanna say. So I've had services almost all the way through school. Oh, wow. Okay. Which was, which was very beneficial because I was not a kid that ever sat still. Yeah. Uh, Did I, you have I to take medication? medication? Yes. I've been on okay. medication since first grade. Got it. Okay. And I tell my students, that's not an excuse that you didn't take your medication. You, you still got to function in society. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you can't just go to somebody and say like, oh, I messed up because I'm not medicated. Like they don't. Right. Care. Yeah. No, yeah. They, they really don't. Yeah. Um, so ADHD, uh, reading. So did that fall in? Oh, I'm sorry. Did that fall under like other health? I don't know. I'm assuming it is other health impairment or did you guys not really care about that in the districts that you were at like disability? I don't labels? think that they put it as other health impairment uh, in the district. Oh, okay. Too. Okay. I, I was in public school from first grade through, we'll say seventh, 
I was pulled out in seventh grade because the district I was in started failing me in the way that they were giving, I was on AB honor roll, but couldn't read or like oh couldn't pass a test, couldn't do homework. But because I wasn't a behavior issue, they just, just kind of pushed me along. So my parents yeah. ended up homeschooling me for about a year until they got me into a private school for students oh with learning gosh. differences. Yeah. Uh, and for that year I was homeschooled, they were able to really like push up my reading levels. I had a tutor that would come like three days a week and work with me. Really, she did all of my reading. I would do my other stuff kind of with my parents and she would supplement. Uh-huh. But that like three quarters of a year at home really helped. Got it. So you're saying that like in elementary, you really just didn't even know how to read. Right. I, I, I kind of did, but yeah, I I guess it wasn't really pushed on yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. it wasn't really until middle school that we found out I had a really low reading level. Yeah. And then adding in that I didn't have a comprehension piece was big. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Wow. So like really what impacted you? I mean, and that obviously impacts all of the education, right? Like if the reading will impact all the subjects, but so you um, grew up with ADHD, you have, you had medication. And so the ADHD impacted kind of like re- learning to read and reading comprehension. Did you struggle in any other, like was math okay for you or? No, I have, I have dyscalculia. Oh, oh. Okay. so I was affected. So do you also I, have this? Did you have dyslexia or no? I think I think so, okay. because I okay. still am convinced I do. OK, <laughs> well, hey, you probably I mean, you know yourself best. So, yes. Yeah. Um, and dysgraphia. So that made it really hard because at that point we weren't typing Yeah. in school. Oh Everything was handwritten and no one could read what I wrote. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. OK, so I'm do you like remember it. kind of when you started going to? Okay, well, let me, this is a question, just a random, did you even like school? Like, did you hate going? I loved going. Oh, okay. I had friends, so I would go. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my favorite class was PE, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. But I guess it was like, do you think that, like, you enjoyed it because you had friends and stuff, but, like, because they weren't pushing you academically, you didn't stress going? Do you feel like that's what it was? Um... No, because I feel like I was still pushed because I got pulled out for okay. resource. So okay. I I would go to I don't remember how often I would go to resource. So they kind of, they would push me, but only so much. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't I didn't start really having like the breakdowns till middle school, gotcha. where I was completely okay. lost because in my general ed setting, I was in a group with other kids that I would go to resource with. So yeah, there was okay. always the in place in in my general mm-hmm. ed setting. You kind of like told us a little bit about your learning disability and kind of what it was like growing up. Where did you go to school? And especially like once you got older um, and you started to kind of like advocate for yourself and how was it different than what you see happening in Texas? Uh, so I grew up going to public school just in Northern Virginia. And then for high school, I went to uh, the lab school of Washington, which is okay. a school that's for like really young kids all the way through high school with learning differences, which I loved because like my classroom size never got bigger than 10 kids. And I would, that's where they really taught me how to advocate. So I knew paper writing wasn't my thing. So I always liked to do projects instead when it came to when we did like a book report or just like, I could really steer the direction, like finals. I could kind of change what mine looked like instead of doing uh, an essay question. I could like one of the times I watched a movie and answered questions on it. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
that's cool. So what would you say is the like difference, positive or negative, between what you experienced in high school at the lab, the lab school of, Aust of Washington, and then mm -hmm. what you see here in Texas? Because um, you've been in both settings. You've been in public and private here in Texas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Perspective, yeah. Yeah, so public school here is very different in that, especially currently in what the district I'm in is doing, there really is not a whole lot of accommodation and modification of the curriculum where students mm -hmm. can't really change up how they can show what they know because yeah. the whole district does the same thing. Every English classroom is doing the same thing, math, and it's across the board. The only way we can modify is uh, reducing the number of questions, which we can only do by a certain amount because there's only so many in the packet. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. Well, it was great because it was a project-based learning campus. So we really were able to work with the kids and ha have them figure out what way they learned best and how they were going to show us what they knew. Yeah. So what was the public school like in Washington, D.C., though? Like, uh, elementary, elementary was great. Uh, we, I had great services and teachers that really understood. Okay. I think the middle school, it just got too big. And I, from what I know from about the high school, so my sister went to the high school. It was just too big and they didn't know how to work with students with learning differences. Yeah. Wow. So last year, how was the public school that you worked at? Like how was how is it different now? Um, so the last time I was in this district, the class size in uh special ed self-contained was smaller. And now mm. they're not capping the classes. So we ended wow. up with 13, three to six-year-olds oh for one teacher and myself in the room, which was a lot. Wow. Uh, and this year we're even bigger and they're not oh capping God. those. So do you feel like services are equivalent or everybody's just like crazy? Um, at times I feel like it's more of a daycare setting for some of these mm -hmm. kids than it is yeah. uh, getting services. Yeah. Yeah. That's really hard. That's awful. That's, that's yeah. really hard. It's interesting because I um, have a couple friends that also work in this this district, and they um, said something fairly similar, just about like class sizes and um, you know, obviously like the standardization of the curriculum and stuff, but that there's not much room for differentiation or scaffolding or accommodation, um, and so it's it's been a challenge I think for them as well. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. How so? Before I kind of jump into just like a little bit more about you, is like how do you, I guess, teach the kids that you're currently serving or supporting to advocate for themselves whenever a curriculum is so standard that and it doesn't leave room for that? Like, how are you navigating that, or do you just find it to be really hard? Um, in some classrooms, I find it more complicated than others. I have teachers that are very stuck on this is what this district wants i can't change anything it doesn't matter if they get these accommodations or not this is what i'm going to do so i have to t tell them well no in order for your, the student to be successful this is what has to happen that it's not that i'm trying to get them out of the work that i want them to show you what they know but keep on going and not hit a threshold where they're not going to show you anything yeah, yeah. Yeah. So just, I guess it's dependent on like teacher. Yeah. Um, and if I think 
not if I think, but where the student is at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I, I really am trying to meet the student where they're at versus where the district thinks or wants them at. Because, mm-hmm. like, I have a fifth grader that is not capable of doing the fifth grade curriculum without accommodations and modifications of course, because she yeah. was um, identified so late that yeah, we're still uh-huh. working on, like, base level stuff with her. Yeah. Well, good for yeah, you. I know that's really difficult. Yeah. And, and Bailey, when you had logged off, Bailey and I were talking about how we've kind of been hearing some similar stories as well. And it's kind of sad. Um, sad yeah. all around. Yeah, that. I think there's a, and I think, um, you know, specific to kind of like you were saying, Molly, teachers being like, this is what the district wants and this is what I have to do. I think there's a level of fear too of not wanting to do something that might get you in trouble, but then teachers need to understand. And I, I think sometimes, I, I think they do, but um, I think there's that component of like, yes, I recognize that you don't want to get in trouble by the district, but also this child has a legally binding IEP document that you have to follow and you will get in trouble by a lot bigger things than the district if you're not following that. Um, so I, I think right. there's probably for many teachers this like, internal where the district's at right now yeah yes um okay so molly we're gonna pivot from your current (laughs) role and we're gonna talk a little bit just about some fun special ed things so um what is a myth or something that people have said that like is not true that you've heard about students with disabilities that you want people to know is it true uh, a big one that I was told as a kid and have continued hearing people say is students with learning disabilities will never be successful in life. It is mm. far beyond true. Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. course. For sure. I don't like that. Did you actually yeah. have somebody say that to you growing up or is it just growing up heard? and in college? I was told I would never be successful in the education world because of my own learning <sighs> differences. I do not like that. So whoever told you that, if you're listening, you are a terrible person. Mm -hmm. Well, and also it's like, yeah. And also it's clearly not true because not only are you successful, but you're helping other students with learning disabilities or other disabilities to be successful. Right. So it's like, yeah, we don't like that one at all. I don't either. Well, okay. So you kind of talked about this just advocacy in general. So what's one piece of advice you would give to another person who lives with a learning disability or maybe even like a parent with a child with a disability? Like what's the one one thing you would share? Don't let it be all consuming that there's a lot more to the way we think and we get through life that it's not a death sentence. which I've run into parents that think once there's a label, that's it. It's like, no, it just means that we see the world in a little bit different way and we interact with the world a little bit differently. Absolutely. I think that's a big one. Who was it? I know we had someone on the, well, we had a couple people um, last season who were parents of children with disabilities. And uh, we did talk a huge, uh, quite a bit about just like, the stages of grief and how you go through that yeah. at first mm-hmm. when you find this out. Um, and yeah, so I think that's like, that's a really good piece of advice of like, yes, take the time to like, you know, process it, but this yeah. is not, like you said, the end of the world, right? Like your child will be successful. Um, so I think that's great. 
Yeah. Okay, Molly, our last question for you, and this is always our fun one. Tell us your favorite special education story, whether that be a funny story, a silly story, a crazy story, a sad story. Well, maybe not a sad story because I don't know why it would be your favorite, but like tell right. us your favorite <laughs> special ed story um, that, you know, keeps you coming to work. Uh, I had a little boy when I was in um, early childhood special education that didn't really enjoy being around a lot of the other staff members. And he would bite them. He would run from them. But he absolutely would do anything for me. And I had him when he was five and six. And we went... uh, We would just go on walks or even just in the classroom. His favorite book was Brown Bear, Brown Bear. So, like, he would always bring it to me. And then one day, out of nowhere, he sees a picture of a cow. And he was nonverbal. And he goes, cow, moo! and just keeps repeating it over and over (laughs) so then a little while later we went on a field trip and we passed cows and he stares out the window and as excited as can be just starts yelling cow moo over and over and over oh so sweet and he would like i wish i knew where he was now because i adored him and like he went through hard times we both did together because the setting was rough for him yeah, but he would crack me up on a daily basis. My husband came and had lunch with us sometimes, and this kid would sit there and feed my husband French fries. Oh my gosh, and I love that! To, to the point really that he noticed cute. my husband, he noticed my husband would dip them in ketchup or some sauce, and would take a French fry, oh dip it in gosh. the sauce, and then feed it to him. Oh my gosh, that's so sweet. Is there a reason why you feel like he liked you so much and would do anything for you? Was it like a, a like a first, like right off the bat, he really just enjoyed your, you or did it take some trust building? Um, I wouldn't say it was right away, but it was pretty quickly. And I think it's because I had no problem being energetic with him because uh, like he was on the, was. he's on the spectrum and he has ADHD. So his body just never stopped. Yeah. And so we had this little trike on campus that he just would go up and down the hall. And I was like, well, you're not going to nap today. Let's go ride the trike. Yeah. That's so cute. I didn't try and stop him from being energetic. There's no purpose in stopping him from being energetic. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I love that. It's also really funny to to look at those little stories. I will always remember, um, and I might have mentioned this in season one, so I hope I didn't, because if so, it's a repeat. But I remember (laughs) um, working with my class of middle school students, and we were going over like renewable energy resources, and we were talking about like solar power. And then we like, it was probably around Go Texting Day, because it was around rodeo time. Um, And I remember we went on a field trip. And we were driving in the bus and one of my kiddos was like, solar energy, this gate, look, solar energy. And I'm like looking around trying to figure out what he was pointing out. You know, the like signs where it's like the school zone flashing yellow light sign. It's like 20 miles per hour. And they have the solar panels on top to to power it. To make it power it all. Yes. I was so excited. I was like, that is solar energy. Good job. Like I was so 
proud because it's also one of those where you're like, do they get it? Do they get it? Um, and it was cool to see in practice that he got it. So it's kind of that same thing. Like you just get so excited when they like make that not only like connection, but I feel like the real world connection because that's what you want, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's that what's so really Molly. That's cute. Yeah. The experience part is really, really important, which is really mm -hmm. great. And that's why I think I like the school, Molly, that you went to the, the lab school where it, do you feel like it was also kind of project-based? I feel like it was just the way you were kind of explaining it a little bit as definitely, well. It definitely was project-based. Yeah, because you can just take it into the real life. You can learn something and then make a project out of it. And so it's just it's all around what kids need. And I don't even think just kids with learning disabilities, like any kid can benefit from that. Oh, so, for sure. Yeah, I love that so much. Um, I just have a random question. I know you said that you had somebody who like um, told you that you weren't going to be good in any education setting. Did you have any like special teacher that like was rooting for you or advocating for you that kind of kind of just made you want to prove the other person wrong or was it maybe just an internal thing um a little bit about uh my professor that taught special ed courses but it really was the internal drive and at that point in college I was also uh coaching for special olympics mm. so oh, awesome. the, when I would go and coach it was the best thing and people would come like my mom came and visited me one uh, weekend in college and she called my uh, basketball team my ducklings because I walked out of the gym to get something from my car and they all stood at the door waiting asking oh. where's coach Molly where did coach Molly go oh that's so cute that's so that is so yeah. cute so the college that you went to was it also special uh, like, I went sorry yes and no it had a program for students with their learning differences but okay. there was it was a small liberal arts college. Got it. Nice. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm yeah. also laughing, Molly, quick aside related to how you wanted to be a vet and then you did an internship and you said <laughs> no because prior to me getting into education, I wanted to be a dentist. And then I did an internship and I said, no, I'm going to change my mind. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. So yeah, funny. we're always, well, I'm so glad that the kids at your school have you, Molly. It's, it's also like I think really unique in the sense of like knowing that you also grew up with kind of some difficulties like you can kind of understand why like students do certain things at school and kind of walk them through why it maybe wouldn't be appropriate or maybe wouldn't be accepted in quote unquote the real world um, as easy. Um, so that's really yeah. special. I think that's a, a really nice perspective to have. So um, is there anything else you want to say or to tell our listeners about Anything special education related? Anything uh, the, you're dying to share? The private school that we were at together, I definitely saw how well project-based did and experiential because we went on a trip to San Antonio and those kids on that field trip surprised us all. So we're like, ah, how much did they actually get from what we were teaching them? And then we went to San Antonio and did everything there. And then we stayed in teepee we glamped in teepees Camped, yeah. overnight and they were reenacting the battle of the alamo and they were doing all these things and i'm like oh wow that's so cool they they knew and we just all all the teachers just sat back and watched that is amazing 
I love it. I love it's it. It's just nice to know that like what you're teaching can also resonate whenever it's something hands-on. So that's really awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Molly. It was so nice to have you on to kind of share your perspective. We're so grateful. Yes. And thank, thank you for having so nice me. Day one. Too. I know. Yes. Sorry, you were having some tech issues. We can't really see you. It happens, <laughs> but I'm glad I was able to get back on. Yeah, Absolutely. same. We're so Absolutely. lucky to have you on and um, we'll be sure to, if you guys have any questions for Molly, let us know and we'll get them to her. But thank you so much, Molly. I hope you have the rest of your day to do nothing and relax. I will. Okay. Thanks, we'll talk to you Molly. later. Bye. Bye. Right. So no, you guys just heard Molly with an IE, not a Y, um, <laughs> as Diane shared earlier. And it was so fun having our first guest of the uh, first guest of the second season, but also I just really love that like Molly who grew up with a learning disability and is now working with special ed was able to kind of talk about her experiences and what it was like growing up, but then also how she's currently advocating. That's huge. I, I know it. it is nice. I don't know. I'm going to say this as a side note really quick, but did I remember the school that you worked at with our like group, you guys would always go to field trips, like to walk yes. and stuff, right? And I remember, so yeah, the assistant princess, she was like, honey, and we're going to give them like all $5 or something and they are going to go yeah. buy stuff for it. And I remember I did this with one of the first high schools I went to and I went with one of the classrooms and I had a list of all of the things, like I so had a fun. shopping list and yeah. I was like, okay, we got to go find new things. And I remember those kids looked at me like deer in headlights because they're like, what does she want us to do right now? Like, how do what? I do this? Yes. Yeah. And I was like, help me find the toothpaste. And like, mm -hmm. it was such a learning experience. Cause I feel like sometimes it's almost like parents are just going to do everything because it's, yeah. it is, it's another thing to do. Right. But holy moly, right. was it nice to be like, Hey, you got to look at the signs. We got to read the signs. Yes. We got to know what section Walmart we're at. Mm -hmm. We got to look at prices. So it was actually a really fun functional skill to, to learn yeah so it's just um, also really like interesting it. yeah and it's so interesting when you think about and it's things like that that make me just really analyze like incidental learning opportunities that yes. disabilities just miss out on right right because we did that a lot with our um deaf and hard of hearing and our visual impaired kids but then like when you're also considering I see we worked on it a lot with our deaf blind students because it's like okay yeah. you're going into a store you mm -hmm. cannot hear anything. You cannot see anything. How do you navigate this environment? What does that look right. like? You know, like right. you you do not have access to both of those senses. Um, and it's just like, there's so much incidental learning that's missed. And I think about like, even myself growing up, right? Like I would go with my mom to the store and it wasn't that she explicitly taught me like, oh, I'm looking for rice. Let's look up here and read. What aisle is the rice on, right? Oh, it's like, none of that was happening. It was just like, you pick up on it. It's, it right. just happens. Um, right. So yeah, it's just like, that was one thing I really did love about that, that environment was, and we were right by that HEB. You could literally like walk to it. Um, right. So yeah, it's a really cool thing that you're able to do with kiddos, just help with those like everyday tasks that like as adults are going right. to have to do. Right. So. It was, um. And then another random thing is, is Megan, who was on our podcast last season, she had texted mm -hmm. me randomly and she was like, wow, do, do the kids ride the Metro bus? And I was like, and she was saying special needs. And I said, yeah, like one of the schools that I 
went to, I remember like we taught them how to ride the Metro to, to, Mm -hmm. I don't, it was a field trip of some sort, but they also had like the, I forget what it's called. It was a specific HCC Um, stuff. Uh, Yes. Um, not 18 plus. Um, there's a specific name for it in the schools though. Whatever she was doing. You know what I'm talking about. I can't remember. I know what you're talking about. I just the name of it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it was, it's one of the like transitional programs essentially in the high school and they would like get kids to go work for a day during their school Mm -hmm. day to these facilities, whether it was like mod pizza and they would like box up pizza, whatever it was. And I remember they taught the kids how to ride the Metro for it. And Megan texted me and she's like, I just saw like a bunch of kids getting off the Metro and their teacher was waiting for them. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, how cool is that? And I was like, it makes, it, it's like, it's so cool, but it should honestly make sense to do. Like, yeah, cause yeah. if they can't drive, let's teach them other means to how get to around, the bus. how to get a job, mm-hmm. all of those things. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. I what love that. Episode. Well, I know. It was a really fun episode. And if you all listeners have any questions for Molly or for us, um, or you have a special ed story or you want to jump on the podcast, you can email us at spedorius at gmail.com. It's S-P-E-D-O-R-I-E-S at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Spedorius, where you can DM us or reach out via chat. And then hi, Ann, where can they listen to our podcast or share our podcast? Yeah, so you can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. You can listen to us, Spedoris, S-P-E-D-O-R-I-E-S. So thank you guys again (laughs) for listening. Um, Like, subscribe, share our podcast. Yeah, and we will see you in two weeks. We'll catch you later. Bye, guys. Bye.